Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you that you've given us this model prayer, this perfect prayer, and I pray that you would really teach us to pray, and particularly today as we consider temptation and the attacks of the evil one and your powerful, preserving um, care for us, I pray that you would give us hope and give us strength and uh, ensure us, give us assurance that uh, we are in your grip and you have us safe and secure. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How do we prevail in this battle against sin? I think that is the, uh, a, a heart cry of every Christian, uh, man, woman, or child. How do we prevail in this battle against sin? Uh, by God's Spirit, He opens our eyes to see who God is, uh, His majesty and His holiness and His purity and His sovereignty. And that same Spirit gives, opens our eyes to give us a recognition and an awareness of who we are, that we are not majestic or holy, but that we are sinners. We're not the Creator, but creatures and uh, faulty and failing. And that same Spirit humbles us uh, in light of these facts, in, recon in recognition that God is the only one who can forgive us of these sins, that can actually do something about this sinful condition. And God does. He's gracious and merciful. He forgives us all of our sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And we rejoice in that. And yet we continue to sin. But now it's different isn't it? Now we grow to hate that sin that is the sins that we commit. We who've been forgiven and recognize the, the, the grace and the mercy of this God, we don't want to sin anymore. We don't want to keep committing those offenses that we had to be forgiven of. We who understand the immense preciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ that was necessary in order to cleanse us, we, we want to please our Lord. We recognize that we have this gift because of the love of our Heavenly Father who gave us His own Son we, and gave us the ability to cry out, Abba, Father, we want to please our Father. We don't want to sin, and he trains us for righteousness in his word. He says, be holy as I am holy. He gives us his spirit to, 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 to be aware of those sins, to walk in righteousness, and to put to death those sins, and yet we continue to sin. We continue to struggle with this, and brothers and sisters, I know that each and every one of us is engaged in that same struggle of sin. Many of us have had the courage to ask each other for help and for prayer 
in these particular sin struggles that we know. When we have sins that we are aware of and sins that we're not aware of. And sometimes it feels like we're losing the battle. And we're at this crossroads of, is anything going to get better? Will I have victory over these sins? Or will I just give up? Should I stop trying? And so often, we resonate very well with what Paul said in Romans chapter 7. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? But brothers and sisters, this petition gives us hope. This petition helps us, to, uh, helps us know that our Heavenly Father knows this struggle, and He sent His Son for that struggle, and He gives us His Spirit in order to have victory over that struggle. And Paul's answer to that question, wretched man, who, who will save me? It wasn't how will I win this battle, but who will save me? And he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And beloved, that is the hope of the gospel. We have been given Jesus Christ as the one who will deliver us from this body of death, from this sin which wages within us. And Jesus came and he told us to ask for that deliverance. He told us to ask, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We will have victory. God will give it to us, but we must ask for it. Now, I think every one of us kind of hopes that what Jesus meant when he taught us to pray this is, Father, don't allow me to be tempted anymore. Keep temptation far away from me, because if we're not tempted, we won't sin. There's no risk of falling into sin, no risk of doing anything wrong if we can avoid that temptation altogether. But we know that's not what Jesus meant. Because there's actually a redemptive purpose to testing. Temptations are tests, a form of testing. And God redeems, helps us to grow through testing. If we're never tempted... Yes, we'll never fall into sin, but there's also no opportunity for us to grow in our faith, to grow in steadfastness and faithfulness, to develop deep roots. And God permits his children to be tested so that our faith would grow strong and deep, so that we would develop steadfastness and faithfulness, because that is the faith that our Father is looking for. He did that same thing for his Son, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4 says that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. Why would the Father send his Son into the wilderness to be tempted? Well, the answer, brothers and sisters, is to, was to prove, to, to, to test the faithfulness of the Son of God. He was proven faithful for us. He stood up under temptation. He showed that his faith in his heavenly Father was strong. His faithfulness was perfect. And beloved, our God does the same thing for us. 
we heard this from James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is something that we often miss, brothers and sisters. God is the one who gives us faith, but he gives us a faith that his intent is that for our faith to grow and to be strengthened in this and, and, and deepened. In the, in the, you remember the parable of the sowers. There was the, the, the seed that fell upon the good soil and there's seed that fell upon the, the rocky soil. The rocky soil, what Jesus said, this is, this is the one who hears the word and receives it with joy, but it has no root. And so when trials come, it withers and dies because it has no root. God's desire is to develop deep roots, to develop steadfastness in the face of trials and temptations Beloved, are one such trial. You may know that uh, the word that Jesus used here, uh, lead us not into temptation, that word could also be translated trials or testing, um, putting us under trials. Not all trials are temptations, but all temptations are trials, a trial for our faith, a trial to prove the genuineness of our faith. And the Apostle Peter talked about the importance of this. He said, rejoice in your sufferings because what is going on is he, he talked about the, the tested genuineness of your faith. We can have faith that's not genuine, that appears genuine, but has no root. But what matters is a genuine faith, one that is proved out. And Peter said this, is, this genuineness of this faith is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. And this Genuine faith may result in praise and glory and honor in the day of the re- at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, beloved, there is a there is a purpose to enduring the temptations. We shouldn't expect that Jesus is asking or teaching us to ask that God would take away all temptations, because there is a benefit to going through those tests. And yet, temptation in and of itself is not good. God, in his grace and in his power, uses it for good. Temptations, in and of themselves, present a real and present danger. We stand up under temptation through faith in Jesus Christ. And yet, every one of us has faith of different degrees. Some have stronger faith. Some have weaker Faith. And temptations come in different degrees. Some are stronger temptations. Some are weaker temptations. We can only stand up to temptations in accordance with the strength of the faith that God has given to us and has cultivate, cultivated in us. You can think of it like this. If you go to a gym and uh, you desire to you choose you're going to use the bench press, okay, your arms have only so much strength in order to lift so much weight. And you need to know what your maximum weight is so that you can appropriately put the right weights onto that bar. Because if you put too much onto that bar and you attempt to bench press, it will be dangerous to you, catastrophic, perhaps deadly, if your arms can't sustain that weight that you try 
to lift off of the bar. And so it is with temptation, beloved. Our ability to stand up under temptation is in accordance with the strength of the faith that we have. But we don't know how strong our faith is. But God does. And we don't know how perilous a particular temptation is. But God does. And God must give us the appropriate amount of strength for the temptations that he allows, that he must only allow the temptations that are commensurate with our strength or we will be crushed and it will be deadly. And so we need to ask our Heavenly Father, Father, give me strength for what you permit me to endure. and Don't let me endure anything that is more than I can bear. I mean, God promises in his word, and this is our uh, scripture for meditation, if you want to look at it, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, No temptation has seized you except or overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape that you can stand up under it. We need to praise that God would be faithful to that promise, that he would not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And that when we are tempted, he would enable us to see the way of escape that he has provided and have the will, the desire, and the strength to take that way of escape, that we would escape from it. And that he would enable us to stand firm. Because, beloved, what we need to understand is there, there is a deadly power to temptation. And it's not, it's not simply the individual temptations that we face. Though those are destructive, and those are, falling unto, unto any sin is horrible and awful, and a sin against God is horrific, and we must run to our Heavenly Father for forgiveness. But with each individual sin, we, we, there is forgiveness. We can, when we come to our senses, we can run back to our Father and ask Him to forgive us, and He will. He's promised to do so. He's promised to do it again and again, even if we sin the same stubborn sin, 70 times 7, each and every time, our Father will welcome us back with open arms and say, I forgive you. Not forgive, I forgive you with gritted teeth, but I truly forgive you. This one's forgiven just as much as the last one, again and again and again. But that's not the real, that's not the real issue, beloved. As awful as those are, each individual sin opens a pathway or a doorway to an even greater sin, the sin of a hardening of heart, a sin of falling away, drifting away, the sin of apostasy, of turning away from the living God, a sin of giving up the fight and saying, I don't know if I even believe it anymore. I, I don't even know if I want to fight anymore. The writer of Hebrews says this, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Beloved, that's, that's the risk with each and every temptation. Each temptation is a, is a battleground leading to the temptation of falling away from God, of giving it all up, forsaking it, and falling away from the living God. And that, beloved, 
exposes us for what Jesus called the hour of trial. In Revelation chapter 3, he said to the church, he said, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. In other words, because you have stood firm in your faith in the midst of trial, I, because you have kept my word, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Beloved, that is the eternal judgment, the great hour of trial. And each individual sin opens the way to the temptation to fall away. And if you fall in that sin, you are exposed for the hour of trial and none, brothers and sisters, will be able to stand at that hour of trial except for those who keep patient endurance, faith in Jesus Christ. This is the true threat, beloved. This is why we must fight the battle with each and every temptation that we face. This is why we must not play with sin because we need to take heed lest we fall, lest we be exposed. But beloved, here is the hope. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you have no, you will stand because God will make you stand. But we need to ask our Father to protect us. But we also need to understand that we're not just dealing with evil in the abstract, um, not just some force of evil, but a, a malignant and active, a hateful, a malicious, personal entity of evil. Even the accuser of mankind, the devil. Now, Jesus says uh, in our passage, deliver us from evil. You, I'm sure you know that there is some debate whether that should be translated, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. And I submit to you that is a distinction without a difference because Scripture is very clear that there is no such thing as an abstract evil within the world. Evil is personal. It is under the power of the evil one, the 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 one who rebels against the Almighty God, the one who is good and true in heaven. The evil one is evil and promoting evil. And we would speak of the, the three enemies of God's people, the world, the flesh, and the devil, but I submit to you that all three of those are under the power of the evil one. The, it's the world. When we speak of the world, we mean the kingdom of this world, even the, the, the kingdom that is opposed to the kingdom of heaven the kingdom that we are born into, but the ruler of the kingdom of the world is the evil one. And when we speak of the flesh, what we mean is the sinful flesh tendencies in which, which are born, uh, were part of by birth, being born to the kingdom of this world, this, this, this sinful desires that we have. And it's those desires that are exploited by the evil one. James, what we just read, James said, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil but because he tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. That luring and enticing of our own desires is by the evil one. This is a personal attack. The devil intends death. He intends destruction. He intends to corrupt our hearts and our minds and to lead us away. 
But beloved, God's power is perfect. Joseph told his brothers, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And the same can be said for temptation. The devil intends to destroy and to defeat. But God means it for good, to to perfect you, to develop deep roots of faith in God's sovereign protection and and, and the faithfulness of Christ. He perfects us as he tests us. But we must ask him to do it. We must ask him to work in us. And beloved, it's important for us to recognize that this, this type of prayer is a prayer that is for, it's for Christians. It's not a prayer for the world. This is a prayer that we would stand up under temptation, that we would be protected in, under um, temptation. And it's truly a, a prayer that we would not be given to the power of sin. There was a, a Jewish evening prayer that was contemporary with Jesus. And Jesus' uh, hearers, originally hearers who heard him teach this, would have known this prayer. And it gets to the heart of it. He said, uh, the prayer contained this. It said, lead not my foot into the power of sin. Bring me not into the power of iniquity and the power of temptation and the power of anything shameful. It's a prayer, don't let me succumb to the, 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 the power of these things that I might be led astray. And that's a prayer for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because we were under the power of evil, but we are now secure in Christ. But we must ask him to keep us secure. We must ask him to protect us from the attacks of the evil one that we would not be given over to its power. Those temptations give that threat of being led over to the power of these things. And Jesus said, you know, abide in me. How do we abide in him? Well, God must enable us to abide in him. He must enable us. He must protect us. He must keep us in his grip. He must not allow us to succumb to the power of these things. So this is a prayer for Christians. If, if your hope is in Christ, you have a different prayer, or is not in Christ. If your hope is not in Christ, you have a different prayer to pray. Rather than keep me from the power of sin, you are under the power of sin. Your prayer, friend, is, ought to be, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, make me one of your own. Save me. Rescue me. And he will. But that's the prayer that you must pray. But for us who are in Christ Jesus, friends, we need to ask. We need to plead that God would keep us in his grip. And we have every hope and confidence that he will because we can look at his son, Jesus Christ. And we can see what he did for Jesus, but we can also understand what he does in his son, Jesus Christ. Because he sent, out of his love for us, he sent his son to endure testing and temptation. We're we're told that he was tempted in every way, every way, but did not sin. He was was sent into the wilderness to endure temptation. And he stood firm for us. But he also endured temptation that we could never bear. That was far too much for us to bear because God led him to the ultimate temptation. He led him to the cross. He led him to be falsely accused and to 
falsely beaten, falsely scorned, to be ridiculed, shamed before a public, a watching world. He endured the weight of every sin of his people. And he endured the weight of God's wrath for those sins. He was tested to the uttermost beyond anything that you or I will experience. But he was faithful. He was faithful to the end. And God gave him a crown of life. And that, beloved, is our hope. His steadfastness under trial to the very end is our hope because God raised him from the dead and now he sits at the right hand and now he is there to help us. That's what, what, it, what Scripture means when it says that he makes intercession for us. He's sitting at God's right hand. He understands your weakness. He understands the, the power of the temptations that you face. He understands the weakness of your flesh and he is pleading with the Father saying, Father, do not allow him to, not that temptation, Father, please don't allow that. That's too much for him. Father, give her strength to stand up in this situation. She needs the strength of the Spirit. And what's more, he asked the Father, and the Father sent his Son, that same, sent sent his Spirit, the very Spirit of his Son, the very Spirit that enabled Jesus to stand up under each and every temptation, Brothers and sisters, that is the spirit that is within you. By faith, his spirit enables you to stand up under temptation. We have that spirit of power and spirit of hope. But also, beloved, Jesus has made clear that he is the one who will not just deliver us from the power of the evil one. He is the one who will defeat the evil one. That's what we look ahead to when we pray this prayer that we will be delivered once and for all from temptation, never to be tempted ever again, never to face the, the, the appeal of sin, the, the savor of temptation, never have to fight that fight, but will be found openly, publicly declared as faithful, having withstood all these things. And that's what God does by his spirit. So we ask, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But if he's going to do that, what we need to ask is how does he do that? How does he work in us? Because that's what we, we know that to be true, that God does this work in us. If, if we are the ones that, being, that are standing up under temptation and we cannot do this on our own strength, then we know that it must be God who works in us according to his Will, to will and to work according to his good pleasure. He, he reveals to us his will. We've, we've just prayed, you know, your will be done. What is, it that we, what is it that we need to do that his will would be done in us, that is being worked by his spirit? That's what we need to ask. How do we stand in Christ Jesus? We can say those words. They sound nice, but we need to know what. And I submit to you, beloved, that God tells us in his word what we must do, how we must be obedient, so that his spirit will work through that as we seek to do his will. And I'll give you five things that scripture tells us that we must do in order to stand up under temptation. The first is we must be sober-minded and watchful. Peter said, 
He wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, he said, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. It is the evil one who is seeking to tempt us, to lead us astray. He's, he's prowling around. He's looking for one of us to devour. We must be sober-minded and watchful. Sober-minded because we need to understand that, as Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're far too ready to give ourselves we overestimate our ability to stand up under temptation. We underestimate the power of temptation. And we're not always watchful, expecting it to happen. And this is Peter who wrote this. Peter who learned this lesson the hard way. You might remember the story where Jesus said to him, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Here's Jesus warning Peter. Peter, heads up. The devil himself wants to sift you like wheat. Our Savior is doing the same thing to us. We have an enemy who is seeking to devour us. Are you watchful? Are you sober-minded? Or... Are, too often we're like Peter. Peter responded, Peter's response to that was, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I can do it. I'm fired up for Jesus. I'm going to be with you to the end. Oh, brothers and sisters, we know how that story end, ended. Jesus said, Peter, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You don't understand your, the weakness of your flesh. But I have prayed for you, he said. I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. And his faith did not fail. But it wasn't just Peter that warned us after the fact. Jesus himself, as we saw in the law passage, he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, that you might not enter into, be, succumb to the power of temptation. And Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Beloved, do you know how weak your flesh is? Our Father does. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. But we need to watch. We need to pray. We need to be sober-minded. Second thing that Scripture tells us is, is in James, he says, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he will flee to you. It's a twofold command. First, submit yourself to God. God tells us how to live in a way that is pleasing to him. He tells us the path of of righteousness, the path of safety and security. We talk about, when we read through Psalm 119, we, we, uh, we hear about the, the pleasing nature, the protecting nature of God's word. Are you submitting yourself to it and seeing the, the beauty of it and accepting it as good? Peter also said, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That holiness is obedience to God's holy will, obedience to conformity to his son, Jesus Christ. Submit yourself to God. But the second part of it is to resist. Resist the devil. Resist those temptations. God has given us armor in his son, Jesus Christ. 
that is sufficient and effective in helping us to withstand the attacks of the evil one. The armor of truth, the belt of truth, the armor of faith, the shield of faith which is able to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, the, the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Sometimes we don't equip ourselves with the armor that God provides which is necessary for us to stand firm. But also, beloved, God doesn't call us to engage into this fight. It's a defensive posture. The armor of God is so that we would stand firm under the attacks. And sometimes the exhortation is that we not stand, but run. Students, listen to these different passages here, listen for what is consistent in these different commands that our God gives us. One is, so flee youthful passions. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from sexual immorality. Or those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving for a love of money that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What's the word? Flee. Run away. Those are dangers. Don't trifle with it. Don't try to stand up under it. Flee from it. Don't, don't mess around. They're too dangerous for you. Beloved, are you fleeing from these things? Or do you think that you can stand up under these things? What we need to understand, beloved, is that God has given to us two great gifts, our mind and our conscience. We need to use these gifts for his glory. We need to evaluate when we fall into sin. What was the, how did, how did we get there? What can I learn from this for the next time? Yes, remember, use my mind to remember he is faithful and just. Father, forgive me, but then what can I do to prevent this the next time? Did I not flee? Did I not stand firm? Where was my faith? Use your mind for the sake of standing up under temptation, but also your conscience. Your conscience is not perfect, but God has given you a conscience to, to identify when things, when you're under temptation. Listen to that conscience. Don't harden that conscience. Respect the conscience. Let God, ask God to soften your conscience. Heed it. Anything that's not done in faith, anything that goes against your conscience is sin. So listen to it. That's the second thing. And quickly, the third is, and this should be obvious, we need to pray. This is, it is only by God's strength, God's grace, that we can stand firm. Here, this is obvious. Jesus is teaching us to pray that we would not be, uh, that we would be able to stand firm, that he would do these things in us. But also we need to pray for one another. Just as Jesus prayed for Peter, we need to be aware of our brothers and sisters. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Are your eyes open to your brothers and sisters? Are you listening to their sin struggles? Are you, are you praying for them that God would enable them to stand? Fourthly, we need to rest and exercise in the power of Christ that is within you. Paul said that you have not been given a spirit, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love 
and self-control. Beloved, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have that power within you. You have that power to stand up. It is not a power that is of you. It is of God, but is God working in you. You have the power to stand firm. You have the power to exercise self-control. You have the power to love as God commands you to do. Exercise that power. Exercise your faith. Put it into practice. Stand firm in it. Fear suggests I am on my own. I must withstand these attacks of the evil one by my own strength. And God's not going to do anything. That's false, beloved. You have the power of God within you. And he has promised to protect you by working in you. Stand firm in it. And finally, we fix our eyes, our hope on the ultimate goal. Peter said, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is our true hope, that we will be able to withstand, stand firm in the midst of the attacks and the trials and the tribulations and the temptations in this life so that one day we will stand face-to-face with our Savior and we will know that it is finished forever and ever and that our hope will be realized being in the glory of our God with all enemies, powers, and principalities defeated once and forever. And beloved, our God has promised to do that. But we must pray for it. It is ours. He will surely do it. But we must ask. And so let's plead with him with all of our hearts. So Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you you know us and you know our weakness. Thank you that you know our enemy and that you are not threatened by him. Thank you that you have promised to keep us. I pray that you would work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. Help us to be diligent and zealous to remain in your love and faithful to exercise the things that you have given to us. Help us not to be slothful in zeal patient in tribulation. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the one who sustains us by his spirit, one who will defeat sin and death and the devil for all eternity. Help us to fix our hope firmly on him and to live as though we will be in his presence and we will be preserved forever and ever. Make us holy like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.